You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Different reports and rumors are starting to come out about the head coaching candidates the Chicago Bears may be more interested in or more impressed with than others. But it feels like all of the talk has been around the wrong guys. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked on Bears. You can like Locked on Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked on Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today and every day. On the show today, we go through and try and cut through and weed through and trim down and all those verbs through the different Rumors and reports coming out about Chicago Bears head coaching candidates. In particular, a couple names have sort of emerged towards the top of at least the sort of discussion surrounding the the group. It is Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores and Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. We'll kind of go through what the reports have, have indicated, why they may be coming out the way they are, how much we believe, and how those two candidates stack up with maybe a couple of the other candidates that fit similar molds, but just seem to have otherwise better resumes and why it feels like they're talking about the wrong former head coaches for their vacant head coaching position. Let's start with Brian Flores because he's been really, I think, the betting favorite for a while now in terms of the little like Las Vegas and of course our friends at Bet Online sports betting for the Bears head coaching position. And it was, I believe, there, there were two reports or two yeah, I guess reports, call them reports, call them rumors, call them speculation, call them, call them what you want to at this point. Two of them came out about Brian Flores. One from uh, ESPN's Jeff Darlington, who tweeted on Monday that the Chicago Bears are a team to keep in mind for Brian Flores, in addition to the Houston Texans because of the obvious connections to the New England Patriots and then their time together in those organizations. But apparently, according to Jeff Darlington, Chicago Bears executives were extremely impressed with Brian Flores when they got an up-close look at him during joint practices that the two teams held in August. It was Bears-Dolphins for those few days where they were together in the lead-up to their preseason game. So, of course, Darlington says now that that could become meaningful with, you know, George McCaskey seeing those and now being interested then in, in Flores as a potential candidate. The other report that had come out was from, I believe, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, who said that Flores, because he has multiple teams interested in him, has some leverage here and might be looking for an organization specifically like the Chicago Bears to offer him more power, more control over the roster and to make the general manager less of like, clearly above him and more of like, you know, next to him or second fiddle kind of a, a role. He, he specifically cited, you know, the way John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan work in San Francisco where like really it's Shanahan's team, right? Lynch is the GM and has the title, but Shanahan is the one really in control of how that roster works. Still is a GM, still would be a GM with Flores, but the, the idea that Flores may be looking for that type of arrangement here given the interest in his services. Now, I, I'm just not sure... 
if Flores is that much of a home run slam dunk candidate to truly deserve that. It's not to say Flores is a bad candidate. And I think compared to some of the other candidates, he's, he's near the top of the list. I think he's one of the better candidates. But like when you look back over his time in Miami, right, he inherited Adam Gase's mess from whatever was left from him. And they go five and 11, his first season and sort of the aftermath of, of Ryan Tannehill. I think they traded for Josh Rosen. They still had Ryan Fitzpatrick. So they were kind of doing that whole soiree. Then year two, of course, they draft Tunga, Tua Tungavailoa, and it's his rookie season, and that's when they had this weird QB split with Tua and Fitzpatrick, where Fitzpatrick started, and then he was sort of benched for Tua, and then Tua was sort of benched for Fitzpatrick, and there there might have been some injuries in there, but there were some weird, like, Ryan Fitzmagic moments in there as well, and it was just kind of a... It, it felt like a strange way to handle a rookie quarterback and veteran quarterback dynamic that ultimately played out similarly similarly to what the Bears ended up doing with Fields and Dalton, although that was much more injury-based than anything else. And with Flores and Tua and, and Fitz, it was a little bit more performance-based and kind of a an intentional sitting down of Tua at times during that rookie season. But they still went 10-6, and six, right? I mean, that's it still finished with a strong season, just wasn't good enough to make the playoffs in, in a strong AFC that season. And really, throughout his entire career, they never made the playoffs. And I, I give him some... The, some benefit of the doubt and some sympathy in the sense that, like, I think that Dolphins roster, especially early on there, was still kind of a work in progress. You know, it was not like it was a star-studded, top-to-bottom contender with that just needed better quarterback play, right? There were some some limitations there, for sure. So I'm I'm willing to cut him some slack in that in that regard. And then even, you know, this past year, year three, Tua Tungvaliailoa, the, the sole starter there, but then some injuries in there. He might have been on the COVID list as well, but definitely some injuries that... Tua was dealing with, and they they win, they lose seven games in a row, and then, of course, they win seven games in a row, and this sort of really weird back-and-forth swing of their season. You know, they still go 9-8 and eight as a result. They struggle to kind of run the ball that well, a little bit limited in the passing game, defense kind of middle of the pack. Of course, that they missed the playoffs, and so it's like, yes, he's had two out of three winning seasons, but no playoff appearances in those, and some wild losing streaks. And, and also, more concerningly, I think, three different offensive coordinators start each of the three seasons in that role. And then you add in maybe some relationship issues with Tua, with the general manager, with that power struggle type thing. And, you know, also maybe he kind of wanted Deshaun Watson over Tua and that wasn't a great look or or a great way for the organization to sort of, you know, show stability in that regard. So I, I do go back and forth on Flores and I give him credit for the ways that it felt like they overachieved to some extent, given where I still see talent deficiencies on that roster, it also feels like they also underachieved in, in some ways with with finally sort of getting things squared away with Tua and, and and having some foundational pieces to work with there. So I think there's some real red flags there, and I I don't I don't think he's the best candidate, but I don't think he's a bad candidate either. It's just it feels like some Bears fans are ready to say like, well, he's a slam dunk because he he's he was winning he had winning seasons back to back in Miami and is therefore going to be a great head coach for whoever gets him. And he very well might be. I just I, and he's certainly again better than than many other candidates out there. I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of willing to, to hesitate a little bit there on saying, yep, he's the guy, go get him and make sure that you give him as much power as you can to make sure that you get him because I think there's other guys that are, that are up there in that conversation. And there also seems to be other guys up there in the eyes of the Chicago Bears, whether we agree with them or not. Leslie Frazier is the latest one, the Bills defensive coordinator, the latest to get some of the rumor reporting hype 
from the Chicago Bears organization. Really, he, he came on as an early name and is now circling back as his interview draws closer. We'll kind of go through what we know about Frazier, his interview, his and his history as a defensive coordinator and head coach next on Locked On Bears. The new year means New Year's resolutions, and if yours are about getting fit or just trying to eat a little bit healthier, I know I'm trying to do the same thing, make sure Built Bars are a part of your plan. Built Bars are the world's best-tasting protein bars, and I'm honestly in love with Built Bars. I actually just ran out and need to get my reorder placed. I had the coconut brownie chunk and the gingerbread holiday Built Bars. They're so good because Built Bars don't taste like regular protein bars. They, They taste like candy bars. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. But most importantly, every flavor of Built Bar is low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. There's not another protein bar product on the market that tastes this good and is also then this good for you. Head on over to Built.com, enter in our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. I'm about to use the promo code myself, LOCKED15, for 15% off at Built.com. Leslie Frazier has been kind of built up as a favorite of sorts. I mean, not the favorite, but as one of the top potential favorites for this Bears head coaching job. It started actually before Matt Nagy was fired, which to me, I, I really was raising an eyebrow at and some potential you know, questions about the quality, but it, I mean, it came from ESPN. I think it was Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano, two of their insiders. They're not Adam Schefter, but they're still considered NFL insiders. They reported in early December that, you know, there was, I think they said that there's a fair bit of smoke was the wording they used surrounding Leslie Frazier and the Chicago Bears. And I guess you could sort of understand that if you're George McCaskey and you're thinking about firing Matt Nagy and you're thinking about options, the guy who played on the 85 Bears would be a name that would, maybe come to mind sooner rather than later. But, I mean, what, what does that mean, a fair bit of smoke surrounding Frazier, that they were interested in interviewing him? Yeah, no, duh, right? I mean, that's not, that doesn't seem like particularly breaking news there. The The more recent report came out on Monday was just Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports put out a tweet and just kind of said, you know, lots of anticipation in Chicago for Leslie Frazier's interview for head coach this week. It is set for Friday, so what, day after tomorrow? And then... Of course, mentioning again that Frazier won a Super Bowl with the Super Bowl with Chicago Bears in 1985. It's not like concrete reporting of like, yes, he is the favorite, he is the guy, but, you know, we didn't hear those same things about, you know, Todd Bowles or about Doug Peterson yet as the Bears are slowly working their way through some of these different candidates. So it's it's notable that there's this this Frazier interest, but I think it's pretty easy to understand. And you also, you also have to wonder, too, if this contributed to some of the early interest, too, when you have Bill Polian helping evaluate your football organization from top to bottom, and now Bill Polian helping you with the head coach and general manager search, Leslie Frazier was a member of the Indianapolis Colts under Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy gives his endorsement of Leslie Frazier as a as a candidate he's a big fan of. Bill Polian was there with him as well. So, of course, they're... There's no surprise then that if Polian's in McCaskey's ear in December, that maybe Frazier comes up in that conversation and that Polian would be particularly interested in hearing what Leslie Frazier is going to end up doing here in that interview process, having known him more, what well, it was been a decade now since Frazier was, was with the Indianapolis Colts, but still, you know, 
there's definitely a strong connection there that might give him a leg up or at least a, an extra foot in the door over some of the other candidates. He's also a Lovey Smith guy. So, of course, Bears ownership still has a lot of respect for Lovey Smith and values his opinion. So there's, there's a lot of reasons why these reports could come out about Frazier, although I think it's a little bit of fool's errand to read too much into them. I mean, we know, I think, pretty well that Leslie Frazier is a good defensive coordinator, right? I mean, he's done it for 13 years in that specific role for four different teams. You know, it comes to Buffalo in, I think, 2017. Took him a season or two to kind of transition what was an aging defense and rebuild it into a, well, retool it into more of a, a top five unit by 2019. They, you know, It wasn't like it was a super, super star-studded across the board type group, but the Bills invested first-round picks in like three or four straight years on that defense and did a pretty good job of hitting on them for the most part to varying degrees, and that, that certainly helped build that group back up. They took a slight step back in 2020, but back to, of course, number one defense in the NFL in 2021 in terms of points and yards allowed. So very clearly, like, yes, reproven himself again. Like, yes, he can coach defenses in the modern NFL, right? I mean, he had a couple of rough years as the Buccaneers defensive coordinator under under Lovey Smith, but it was only two years, and it was kind of a mess, not a great roster at the time, and Lovey was still kind of adjusting to the modern NFL game. So, I, you know, I don't know exactly how much that still lingers or how applicable that is to, to Frazier, but it, the, the bigger concern and the bigger question is just, like, is he just a good defensive coordinator and not a good head coach? You know, did we... Did we sort of establish this already when he was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings? Because, you know, obviously did not do particularly well over there. I mean, there wasn't a complete disaster, but not having anywhere near the success they were hoping to when he took over for Brad Childress. Because when he was the Vikings defensive coordinator under Childress, I mean, they were solid. They had some really good defenses at that time. And, you know, all of a sudden Childress is out and Frazier takes over and, the defense really stepped off. I mean, they dropped off significantly once he stopped being the coordinator and took over as head coach. And maybe some of that's just timing where some of the aging stars that he was having success with earlier were getting up there. You know, Jared, Josh Allen, or excuse me, Jared Allen. Too many talking bills, too many Allens to get through here. But Jared Allen and what, Chad Greenway and some of those other linebackers that's been racking through my brain to go through some of those, some of those older Vikings defensive players that you know, were, were part of some pretty strong groups there and so they started aging so like you give him some benefit of the doubt for for that yes but he's the head coach so like he's got some real say in personnel and clearly they didn't do a good enough job of keeping that defense fresh as he got more and more power in that organization so it just it, it didn't necessarily sell you on like good quality head coach material that doesn't give that doesn't mean he can't have grown since then and have a lot of ideas on things he can do differently. And he could, he could, he has just as much possibility as Brian Flores or anybody else to say, you know what, new opportunity, new fresh start with a new team. Here's what I'm going to do differently and why I should have more success with this. I mean, again, that was, you know, what, a decade ago that he was a head coach for the Vikings. So it's been a long time for him to reflect and learn and grow. And plenty of head coaches struggle in their first head coaching job, get a second one and end up doing a lot better. So it's not to write him off solely based on, what he did in Minnesota, it's just, you know, he doesn't have necessarily that that same type of rise that, you know, other more exciting candidates might have. You know, you kind of like to see the guy, you, you don't want to necessarily see him rise too fast and not get, gather enough experience, but typically when you think of head coaching candidates that are at least coming to the position, you, you like the idea of like, okay, he's a he's an assistant on that side of the ball for 
three to five years, does really well. Takes over as a coordinator on his side of the ball. Again, three to five years, does really well. And then takes that next step in the head coach, right? That, that progression of like, does really well at every stop and every opportunity that he gets. And we've seen Frazier struggle as a head coach and struggle as a defensive coordinator in, in, in different spots. And so that's, that's where I think some of the hesitancy comes for me as we look at him as a potential retread option here, especially because I just feel like there are better resumes of prior head coaches that the Chicago Bears are already either interviewing or interested in or in this sort of head coach cycle right now. And we'll go through some of the names, or a couple of them in particular, really three names that we'll sort of compare side by side and, and leave me wondering why why all the emphasis is more so on Flores and Frazier next on Locked On Bears. If you're really tapped in, tuned in, and excited about the Chicago Bears head coaching search, you can actually bet on who the next Bears head coach will be at betonline.ag, the number one spot for all the best sports wagering actions in 2022. Like you said earlier, Brian Flores has been sort of the, the betting favorite guy, but we've seen Doug Peterson near the top of that list, Todd Bowles, Nathaniel Hackett, Brian Dable, and, and many others. I mean, the great odds, and of course, the less the, less the worse the odds, the better your potential return if you can nail this Bears hire. So check out the odds. They, they've been shifting around as the interviews and reports come out at betonline.ag. Plus, they've got odds for basketball, hockey, soccer, tennis, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games online. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers they have for 2022. Sign up today for a free account. Enter in our promo code locked on, and you're going to get a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's them giving you free money to play with at Bet Online, where the game starts. I don't understand why so much of the talk, the rumors, the excitement about Bears, I mean, excitement's maybe a strong word, but why so much of the focus in the discussion around the head coaching search has been on Flores and and Frazier, two guys who objectively haven't had a ton of success as head coaches when the Bears are already interested in interviewing candidates who also were head coaches but had a lot more success. And certainly the name that, that jumps out to me right away is, is Jim Harbaugh. There's not been a reported interview request or interview that has been reported to have happened with Harbaugh. I think understandably that he doesn't want that to come out if he doesn't get the job and stays at Michigan and Michigan players and recruiting and all that stuff, sure. And we did a whole podcast, what I think it was two weeks ago now, specifically breaking down Jim Caldwell, or excuse me, Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to keep doing that with the gyms. I keep having Jim Harbaugh or Jim Caldwell on the mind, but we're going to get to him in just a moment here. But Jim Harbaugh, we did a whole Jim Harbaugh part podcast couple of weeks ago, really going more in depth on his resume. So we don't need to rehash the whole thing. I'll just briefly won 70% of his games with the 49ers went to the Super Bowl and two other NFC championship games. I guess his Michigan teams were not great at first, but he built them up, built up Stanford, built up the 49ers. He's done this multiple times at the NFL and college level. I think that makes him a pretty strong candidate. And of course, neither Flores nor Frazier has taken their team to the playoffs as a head coach, let alone a Super Bowl and two NFC championship games. But beyond Harbaugh, let's Let's even pretend that maybe Harbaugh's not actually an option. You know, it's it's sort of thought to be, but it's so sort of under the table and secretive that it, it just, let's let's put that him aside for a second. There's still two other guys, Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell, both Super Bowl coaches. And yes, both with flaws, both not 
home run candidates necessarily, but again, neither are Flores or Frazier, and it feels like overall here I'll take the, the candidates that have built or been a part of successful winning cultures in organizations compared to Flores and Frazier who have have done very good things in their own rights and maybe have built strong cultures but haven't had quite the same success. And, and in the ways that we can measure on the outside, like, you know, Doug Peterson wins the Super Bowl, right? It, it not, <laughs> like he doesn't get literally any better than that. And he, he inherited, you know, Chip Kelly's Eagles team. There was some there was some cleanup there. There was some work that needed to be done, you know, that gets there and they trade up for Carson Wentz. So then they end up giving up a lot of their draft picks. They, they don't have a lot of, like, draft capital to build around Wentz, and yet still they win the Super Bowl with a team that you know, wasn't loaded with particularly strong weapons. Defense was was darn good. They had a really good pass rush and a really good offensive line. I mean, give them credit for a great offensive line making a huge difference that season. That They won in the trenches. Offensive line and pass rush were both stellar. Secondary was okay. Weapons around Wentz were okay. Certainly good enough to win the Super Bowl, right? But still, like, it's, it's an overachieving team, and when I see a team... I think do better than their talent might suggest that really, I think falls on coaching staff. The credit belongs so much then to the coaching staff, the general manager and the team building stuff too. But really I, I give coaches a lot of credit for getting more out of the talent that was provided them. Sure. That, that wasn't sustainable for the Eagles. I mean, they, because they overachieved, they, they weren't necessarily like the best team in the NFL that season, but they made it work when they needed to. But again, the lack of draft picks from the Wentz trade, I think made it difficult to sustain that. And how much of that goes on, the general manager versus Peterson having some roster control. I mean, certainly deserves some of the blame and was intimately involved in those. I mean, if I'm going to blame, if, if I'm going to blame the head coach for not rebuilding the defense in Minnesota with Leslie Frazier, I can blame Doug Peterson for not doing better to build around Wentz in Philadelphia. Sure. But then, you know, Wentz has injuries kind of falls back down to earth. They still go nine and seven back to back years and make the playoffs. And actually they won a playoff game and won their division as a nine and seven team in each of those seasons. But then relationship with Carson Wentz falls apart, of course, and he, he plays very poorly. They draft Jalen Hurts. That whole crap really hits the fan, and, and you have the power struggle with management, and Peterson is kind of pushed out after a really bad season. His last season definitely was not strong, but again, there's a head coach out there available who's interested in your team that's interviewed with you that won the Super Bowl. And yes, it's the same coaching tree as Andy Reid and the same offense, and maybe that's a potential disqualifying factor where ownership just says, you know what, we don't want to... It's too close to Nagy, even though Peterson literally won the Super Bowl. I understand that, but I think Super Bowl and three playoff appearances greater than zero playoff appearances from Frazier and Flores. There's more to the decision. There's more to the job than that. There's more to leadership. There's more to team building and all that stuff, right? This is not to say that like Peterson is this home run great candidate that they should for sure hire. No, but bigger point is why are we so focused on Flores and, and Frazier when other guys also have impressive resumes as a head coach? And I'll even throw Jim Caldwell in here. Like, I mean, yes. Fired Lions head coach does not come in as the sexy, exciting candidate that everybody wants, but went to the Super Bowl. I mean, yes, he inherited the team from Doug from Tony Dungy. He inherited Peyton Manning from Tony Dungy. It was a little bit of a turnkey operation, although I will say you can't just throw any old head coach at the front of a team and expect them to go 14-2 and two and win the Super Bowl. Or, or, excuse me, go to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Saints, I think, that year. But regardless, like... Not just anybody could have done that. Could 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 many coaches have done it? Yes, but you can't just throw you know any, you can't just throw Mark Tressman you throw Mark Tressman in that spot. Do they, do they go fourteen and two and go to the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning? I, I I don't know. You know what I mean? Like so, it's like Caldwell deserves 
some credit, not full Super Bowl credit, the way we might give Harbaugh for building that team to the Super Bowl, but some credit, right? He knows what that winning culture looks like, uh, a Super Bowl culture, how it was built and how it should be run. And then, of course, you know, he, he has a couple of great seasons. Peyton Manning gets hurt, misses the whole season. But the next stuff, they go 2-11, and 11, number one overall pick, called those out, Andrew Luck in. I, I don't know. I don't know how much blame I want to give Caldwell there. Should they have won more than two games? Probably. Were they going to win more than, than four or five without Peyton Manning? Absolutely not. There was the, the famous quote from, I don't actually don't remember. Is it, I think it might be Clyde Christensen, who was Manning's quarterback's coach. One of Manning's assistant coaches gave a, a famous, hilarious quote. I think it's one of my favorite quotes in NFL history, where a media member, somebody was at practice and asked the coach, you know, why aren't you giving Peyton Manning's backup any reps at practice? Like Manning, Peyton Manning took every single rep at practice. And so they asked him, you know, why, why aren't you giving the backup any reps? And the coach looks at him and goes, he goes, if eight, if 18's not out there, we're effed. I mean, he uses the actual, the actual curse word, but he goes, we're effed and we don't practice effed. Like <laughs> that's the perfect encapsulation. Like they don't, they don't practice. You know I mean? They've, if Peyton Manning's out there, they're screwed anyway. So they don't even practice not having Peyton Manning out there. So of course, Caldwell's not going to do well when Manning's hurt. Gets his second shot with the Lions. Winning seasons in three out of the four years. Takes him to the playoffs twice. Doesn't win a playoff game, you know, but still, like, bets more playoff appearances than Flores or Frazier did in their head coaching jobs. I know there's more to it than just playoff appearances, Super Bowl appearances, and all that. I'm not trying to make the argument that the Bears should just hire a coach based on playoff appearances and Super Bowl appearances. The point is more like Caldwell's a fine candidate. Peterson's a fine candidate. Harbaugh's a great candidate. And maybe... At least, arguably, if not comparable, if not better than Flores or Frazier, and yet Bears are super excited about Frazier, and now there's this stuff like the Bears are super excited about Flores and might be willing to offer him all this stuff. And why are we why are we super excited about those guys compared to other candidates with similar and potentially, arguably, better in some ways, worse in other ways resumes? Right. That's that's sort of the bigger point here as we as we circle through the Bears' head coaching rumors. As more and more of these interviews happen, we'll have to catch up on. Any and all latest developments, if they hire a general manager, we'll start to go through. Certainly, we'll get to know whoever they hire, but we'll we'll get to know some of these general manager candidates at some point here, too. Those, those are just a little bit harder to dig, to dig through when it's the director of player personnel in the Browns organization and how to figure out how exactly to measure those things. But, hey, we're staying on top of this head coach and GM search as best we can here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So I hope you'll subscribe to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today and every day. If you're looking for your second listen, our friends over at Peacock and Williamson are breaking down the NFL from a league-wide perspective, and they're going to be on scene in Los Angeles for the big game, the big week leading up to the Super Bowl. And so, of course, they're going to have great interviews from across the NFL. Probably get a couple of Bears players in there. Whoever's kind of running through Radio Row, they will be corralling and bringing on as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. So go check them out when you're done with the podcast today. Appreciate you tuning in. I hope I hope every update helps you understand this search process a little bit more. And more importantly, I hope the Lockdown Bears podcast makes it easier for you to bear down.